Uh, I am a little overwhelmed today because, man, just being back together and then uh, talking about uh, the gospel, talking about Jesus and what he's done for us. It's, uh, I'm really, really excited about what the Lord's going to do today. I truly believe that there are people who are in this room here, they're in the family room, they may be online, who are uh, in need of knowing Jesus Christ as Savior. Today, there may be some of you in here today. Uh, and listen, uh, what I pray each and every time I get up to, uh, to open the word is that the Holy Spirit would do a work that only he can do. And uh, I, my, my prayer is, is that if, if somehow you've been living in some sort of disillusioned state, you've been trusting in the fact that you love to sing, you love to study deep theology, you love to do, but you've never surrendered your life to Christ in faith. Like you're not living out the faith of Christ, that today the Holy Spirit would waken you up and that you would know him in a, in a real way, not just... Oh, yeah, I get that down at the Jesus bookstore. I got this cool book. But that you know him today, maybe for the very first time. So uh, with that, take your Bibles, open them up. We've got a lot of passages that we're going to be looking at. Uh, over the next little bit. And uh, we're going to take a little bit of time. Uh, hopefully, you got your, uh, your communion elements today. In the season of COVID, things look a little differently. So we're not going to be passing a plate today. Uh, as you came in, you picked up a, uh, a, a, a little packet. And um, I'm going to walk you through this. So you hold on to this, and I'll give you instructions a little bit later about how we're going to do that. Over the last several weeks, in fact, we're going to kind of close up today, but over the last several weeks, we've been in a series called This Changes Everything, and uh, we really believe that the corona season, this COVID season that we've been in, this whole, you know, where we've been separated, we were separated for about three months, that we began to learn, and we were asking the Lord to reveal to us, God, are there things you want to show us? And there were some things that we feel like he has shown us, and that uh, we brought back to you that we feel like, hopefully, this changes a lot of things within our own community, but also within the, commu within the church at large. One of those was the importance of gathering and the importance of scattering. You remember us talking about that after being separated for so long? And yet also with us scattering, us taking the gospel. We talked about the importance of generosity. You saw a picture just now, uh, the video about Hannah and the importance of our continued generosity. We talked a little bit about how our hope is, is that now that we're back together, we have a longing, we have a desire, that we have an understanding of what authentic biblical community would look like. And uh, we talked about that, the need to be back together with each other, not just in a large gathering, but also in that small gathering where it's like your small group, that kind of thing. Uh, last week, uh, we talked about uh, the importance of caring for our members, of caring for people who are involved. And we talked about deacons. You remember that? We're, we're bringing back deacons and we're asking people who would, be, would, who would be ready to be involved in that. And here, that's going to be across all campuses. Here at Riverdale, just quickly, let me tell you, that's going to take somewhere around plus or minus about 20 deacons to be able to take about 10 families each who would begin to walk in their lives. And so uh, you be in prayer that we're going to, over the next several months, we're going to be walking through this, giving some training, some equipping, calling out, asking people to pray. 
Hopefully, hopefully, somewhere around the beginning of September, that first couple of weeks, well, you're going to get to see and meet and commission all the deacons of LifePoint. And you're going to get LifePoint Riverdale, that is. And so uh, you be in prayer for that. And so today, we're going to kind of wrap up this section uh, of this changes everything. And we're going to talk about what my hope and my desire is, is that through this time, our hope and our desire as, as, a, as a church is that there will be people who come to find true life in Jesus Christ for the very first time. You know, through this season of being separated, through these seasons of being, listen, uh, my experience has been, and I think maybe you've seen this before, when people get into crisis situations, when they get, when they get into situations where they either move, I mean, I've noticed this, when people move and they're away from their home base, they become open. They become aware of new things. When people hit crisis moments, they become open. And I, those openings, in my opinion, those are, those are times when the Holy Spirit begins to speak, especially if there are believers who come around them and they begin to be salt and light into their life. And so my hope and my prayer, our hope and our prayer is this, is that through this season of COVID, people have begun to experience. They've begun to be open and go... What is this season all about? Why is this happening? This world is, and you would agree with this, it feels like it's just pulling at the seams. There's a lot of strain. Well, I want you to know, my prayer is, is that God would use this time to open their eyes and rescue them, to change them by the power of his gospel. Uh, COVID, corona season has brought all kinds of tension. Would you agree with that? It, I mean, it's brought all kinds of tension uh, to our country, but it's also brought all kinds of new vocabulary, right? I mean, there's all kinds of words and phrases and things that we're talking about today that we didn't previously talk about. Maybe you've heard them, maybe you've seen them before, but they've become a part of your, your vocabulary now. Words like um, uh, pandemic, Epidemic, you know, an epidemic is uh, when a virus or a disease, it kind of takes off and runs among a people in a region, in an area. Well, on like March 11th, uh, Corona got its uh, pandemic status when it got a passport and went across the globe all of a sudden. It went crazy across everywhere. So you've, you've talked about, you've heard pandemic, you've heard epidemic, you've heard things like, uh, well, flattening the curve. I mean, how many of you ever talked about, other than like my own waistline, talked about flattening the curve before March 11th? Uh, flattening the curve was kind of like, okay, what we want to do is we want to be able to couple that with social distancing. By social distancing, meaning we're going to keep some distance, uh, we're going to have uh, limited contact with people, and by having limited contact with people and keeping our distance from each other, uh, it's going to help to flatten the curve. Maybe it won't stop the virus, but it'll it'll help keep it at a manageable pace for our uh, for for uh, the hospitals and those types of things. And I want to speak to this real quick. Right now, there are people who are watching us online, and I'm gonna, because they're not able to be here right now. And I want you to know we miss you. You are missed uh, in this room right now. You know of people who aren't able to be here. And uh, we need to continue as a body, you hear me say this every week, to reach out to them. Because they're not here, they're still a part of who we are. And I want us to be reaching out and, and caring for those members. We have masks that are out. We have sanitizers. We clean. One of the reasons that we ask people 
Once the service is over, this first service, we're not trying to just kick you out of here and get you out of here, but we do, we clean so that the people coming in behind us were able to make sure, whether that's in this room or in the family room, because we, we want to be safe in those environments. We have masks out there. If you need masks, grab a mask. For those of you who have some vulnerable situations, we have packets of masks that we can give you that are reusable, that we want you to be able to have out there because we understand uh, that this is a very serious time. You, you've heard words like uh, uh, fatal, uh, fatality. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, you know, you can tell where someone's from when they say fatality and the police rather than the police. Uh, you've heard about fatality rates where that's the, the, the number and the percentages of people who die relative to those who actually get the, who, who get the virus. Listen, there's all kinds of new vocabulary that's being used. There's all kinds of new things that are happening. But what I want to do today is I want us to be able to take some of this vocabulary and I want us to bring it back to talk about a virus that's even more deadly than corona and all of the other world viruses combined. Do you know what the scripture talks about a virus that we've all been stricken with? And it's called the sin virus. It's a virus that every one of us have, and we cannot get away from that. In fact, the scripture tells us that we were born with this virus. We were born with a sin nature. It's a, it's a sin nature that was passed on to us by Adam, who passed it on to his children, who passed it on to his children. The scripture t points that out very clearly. And yet so often what I think happens is, is that we forget, we forget that we also have something that needs to be cured and can only be cured one way. If you got your Bibles, open up. I want you to open up with me to the book of Genesis. We're going we're gonna to be walking through some passages today. So I hope that you have your fingers kind of limbered up. You got your thumbs ready to go on your devices because I want you to be able to see what the scripture has to say. The Bible uh, continually from front to back, from the beginning to the end, talks about this virus called sin and how, how it is not just kills our body, but it kills us spiritually. You see, when Adam and Eve took of the fruit and they ate it, they didn't just die physically, they died spiritually also. And so today, the, one of the reasons that we deal with the things that we deal with is because we live in a broken and fallen world. And yes, we die because of sin, but if, if it, without, without Jesus, without Jesus, we don't just die physically, we die spiritually. In fact, the scripture tells us even today without Christ, we are dead in our trespasses and sin, the scripture tells us. And so with that, look at Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17 say this. And the Lord God commanded man, Adam and Eve, commanded man saying this, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden. How many trees did it say that he could eat, they could eat from? Every tree in the garden except one. Look at what verse 17 says. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Why is it that when you are told you can't have something, you autom there's something within you that automatically says, I want that though. 
They had everything at their disposal. They had every tree. But God said, this one, the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. Look at what happens in Romans chapter 3. Go over to Romans in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, then Romans, all right? Uh, look at Romans chapter, th- chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, it says this, verse 23, Romans 6, 23. Some of you already know this. You're already repeating it. It says, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. You see, when Adam and Eve took that fruit, they bought the lie, they ate the fruit, From the one tree they were told not to, sin entered into the world, not just physical death, but spiritual death. And the scripture says that uh, Paul writes in Romans, he says, listen, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. God created a perfect world. He planted not just a garden, but he planted Adam and Eve in that garden. He gave them full run Listen, you kids, you can have anything in the pantry, but you can't have this. And your eyes go to this, whatever this is. He said, you can have it all, but you can't eat this. And when they ate of that fruit, sin rushed in. Notice what he said. And look at verse 17 of Genesis chapter 2. Notice he says this. He says, Notice how he says this. He says, for in the day that you eat of it, it's almost like he knew this is going to happen. He says, for in the day that you eat of it, what's going to happen? You will surely die. Listen, the Bible describes sin as rebellion. It's a transgression against God. It's a rebellion. And what ends up happening is a lot of times we look at the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, and we see the initial rebellion as being Adam and Eve. But I want you to know this. That's not the initial one. Isaiah 14. You don't have to turn over there right now, but I want you to go back and look at it. Isaiah chapter 14 in the Old Testament points out to, to, uh, it describes Lucifer, It doesn't call him by by name in that instance, but we know that uh, one of the most beautiful, one of the most powerful angels in all of heaven, Lucifer, we also know him as Satan. One day, he, he no longer treasured God himself. You know what he began to treasure? He began to treasure the position that God had. And when he began to uh, treasure that position more than God, he led a rebellion, the scripture says. And it says a third of the angels, they all fell. God cast them out. The very first rebellion, the very first sin wasn't Adam and Eve. It was in heaven itself with that rebellion by Lucifer. And then we see in Genesis 3, what we see there happening is, is that all of a sudden he deceives Adam and Eve and they eat. What was once walking with God in the cool of the day having perfect communion with him. They no longer treasured that, but they treasured a fruit. They treasured something other. They treasured after, and I want you to hear this. Please, we cannot fall into the trap of looking at them and reading about them and and looking down and wanting to cast stones at them because we do this every day, don't we? When we take things and we treasure those things, those items, those people, we treasure them greater than God. And when we do that, that in and of itself is sin. It is sin to treasure 
anything greater than God himself. And the scripture tells us that uh, the root of sin is treasuring anything other than God, putting anything higher than him. We like to think of it as, well, it's abuse of money, it's abuse of power, it's an abuse of sex, it's pride, it's murder. It's, listen, sin at its base is anything that you treasure higher than God himself, whatever that is, whatever that is. Some of the greatest ways to begin to look at that is what do you spend your money on? Where does, where does your money go? Where do you spend your time? What are the things that you are putting into your mind? What are the things that you think of the greatest amount? You see, things that, and I want you to hear this. What I'm thankful for is this, is that we don't have to be perfect. We have a God as followers, as followers of Jesus Christ who have surrendered our life. Uh, he realizes this and there is grace for that. So I don't want you to walk, Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, the, the condemnation of my sin has been paid, but not only that, uh, even as a follower of him, when I fail him, there is grace for that. It still doesn't take away the fact, though, that he is a holy God who calls me to be holy and to seek after him and to walk after him with everything that I have. And to begin to say, this is less than God, you are greatest, and I honor you above all. You are my greatest treasure. There is nothing greater than you. You see, when anything that we treasure greater than God, then it becomes sin. Notice in Romans, you're still there. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, verse, verse 10 says this, as it is written, none is righteous, no not one. None is righteous. None is righteous at all. Romans 3.23 says this, for the wages for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For all of us have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. Listen, we've been, uh, we've been uh, warned about how bad corona is and it is horrible. I want to say that. It is horrible. One of the things that has been unique, though, that, I, that I've kind of read and looked at and seen is that our first responders, thank you. If you're a first responder in here, I want to say thank you. Whether you're here online, you're in the family room, thank you for what you do. One of the things that I've read is that the, 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 the illness rate among our first responders is very low. It's low. That, in comparison, does that mean that first responders don't get this? No, they do. But they're very, it's very low. Now, why is that? Well, there's another phrase. Uh, really, it's, I guess it's a, a several letters. Hearing these news reports about PPE, PPE, I'm going, what is, what is PPE? Personal protection equipment personal protection equipment. And what are those things that, that, that you, you read about? These first responders, they many their gloves, their masks, their face shields, they're literally, in many instances, they're, are, they're suited up. They have a, they literally have all of this equipment. And because of that, it, it gives a protection against the virus. Folks, I want you to hear this. And I want to be really, really clear about this. There is no protection. There's no protection from the sin virus. We are born with it. It is 
passed on to us from our mamas and our daddies, okay? We're not born sin-free. We're not a tablet waiting for someone to write something on. We are born with a sinful nature, the scripture says. All of us, it's passed on. And the only way, I want you to hear this, the only way to have a cure, you know what, uh, uh, the only antidote, how about that? The only antidote to that is Jesus Christ. He's the only antidote. You can't, you can't go to a Christian school and get over it. You can't homeschool and get over it. You can't give enough money and get over it. You can't be a missionary and get over it. You can't help enough old ladies across the street and get over it. Eagle Scouts can't get over it. You, the only way that we can get over this sin virus is by Jesus Christ. That's it. It's by surrendering our life to him. Folks, listen, we're not sinners because we sin, okay? We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we were born sinners. And the only way, the only salvation that is Jesus himself. And today, right here in this room, we're not done. Please don't wrap your Bibles up, put them away, and start putting things up. I want you to hear this, though. But today in this room, there's possibly some folks sitting in this room, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. It's possible that in the family room right now, there are people in that room right now who've never surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. Watching online, there are people who have never surrendered their life to Christ. Uh, they may be going to church they may be doing, they may know all the Bible answers. They may even be teaching Sunday school, leading a small group, but you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. I want you to hear this. Uh, the only antidote for the sin virus is Jesus. He's it. He is your personal protection. He is your personal protection. And here's the great thing about it. You don't have to file an insurance claim. You don't have to worry about a copay. You know why? Because he's already paid the price. He paid the price on Calvary when he laid his life down. He came to earth. He lived a perfect life. How did, how did all this happen? When, when Jesus was born, listen, he was born of a virgin. Some of you right now just went, What? That's why the scripture says that Mary was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit because man passes the sin nature on. So it took the perfect, righteous, holy God, the Holy Spirit, to come upon her and she conceived. Therefore, he did not have the sin nature that we have. He wasn't born with the sin nature. But you know, not only that, he walked the earth for uh, 33 years and the scripture says that he never sinned. Therefore, therefore, listen, therefore, be, whenever you have a therefore, you got to ask what it's there for. Well, therefore, because of all that, you know what ends up happening? Here's what ends up happening. He lives that perfect life, and he was crucified because of that. 
He went to the cross. He who knew no sin became sin. Look at what the scripture says with me, all right? I want you to look with your, if you've got your Bibles, open up to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this. That's in the, for those of you who don't know, New Testament. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We, not in our own righteousness, but because of his righteousness. First Peter, keep going over past First Corinthians to First Peter. It's near the end of the Bible. First Peter. First Peter chapter 2, verse 22 says this. He committed. Now, who is he? Jesus. He committed no sin, neither was deceit, lying, falsehood. Neither was no deceit found in his mouth. Go past 1 John and go over, or excuse me, 1 Peter and go to 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. I told you we were going to be hitting the passages today. You know why? Because my words don't matter. Scripture is what matters. And when we're talking about the gospel and how do we know that, it goes back to the word of God. So 1 John chapter 3, beginning of verse 5 says, you know that he appeared. John is writing. John's an old man right now. He's writing to all the young churches specifically there in Ephesus. And he says, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins. How did they know that? Because he had been preaching that gospel to them. He says, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin. Listen, Jesus did not practice quarantine. He did not practice social distancing. He left heaven. He stepped onto earth and he brought life to us up front up close. And yet he sinned not. He knew no sin, the scripture tells us. He was perfect. He was righteous. They crucified him. They laid him in a tomb. And three days later, he rose from the grave, the scripture said. But I need you to hear this. I, listen, if you're trying to fall asleep right now, whether in this room, the family room, or at home, I need you to hear this. If Jesus is the antidote, I want you to hear this. Not everybody gets the antidote. Do you know who gets the antidote? The scripture says that only those who trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they submit their life to him. They come under his rule and reign. It's, they come under his rule and reign. He, he affects everything about them. They don't just pray a prayer. Their lives are radically altered because Jesus has changed them. You see, not everyone, I want you to hear this, not everyone will be in heaven. All of us are created by God. That's why all of us deserve dignity and to be treated correctly and fairly and rightly. But I want you to hear this. Not all of us are his children. Not all of us are, are his children. Only those who have surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will see him face to face one day. They trust in him. Look at Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. 
We're like using some of my most favorite passages today. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 say this. If you, that's me, Kyle, you, John, Shannon, Stephen, whoever, if you, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, literally, you confess Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, the scripture says, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice what verse 10 says. It says, for, the, for with the heart one believes and is justified, made right, made just as if I'd never sinned, justified, just as if I'd never sinned. They are made, they are justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. We don't have verse 13 on here. I didn't put it in here. Verse 13 says this, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, I want you to hear this. When we call on him, Jesus, change me. I surrender my life to you. If you're wondering what to say, listen right here. God, change me. Save me. Jesus, I need you. I am depending on you. There is nothing that's going to get me to heaven except your sacrifice. You know what the scripture tells us? That at that moment, what ends up happening is that he, on the cross, when we surrender our life to him, he took our sin upon him. He absorbed the wrath of God, the anger of God against sin. He absorbed mine at that moment. And I'm placing all of my sin on you. And you know what it says he does? The scripture says he places all of his righteousness on me. And God no longer sees me except through the blood of Jesus. Now, how do I know that my life has changed? By the way, I live. I, I, I don't live to get salvation, but my life looks different because I've been given salvation in Jesus. I make my desire to be his desire. I bring my life under his life. My actions are what he would do. The scripture tells us, Jesus said this, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are the one. So you want to know what God desires for your life? Look at Jesus. Act like Jesus. I want to be like you, Jesus. I'm faithing you. What does it mean to faith him? My decisions. Run through the filter of what would Jesus do? How would he act? What would he want? Listen, if, if you've been trusting in a prayer that you prayed at vacation Bible school, at a youth camp, but your life has never been changed. There's no difference. My question to you today is this. No change, no Jesus. You see, our lives look different because we faith him. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I trust you. I'm following you. So what does this mean for us today? How, how, listen, my prayer, I've said this, is that if this changes everything, for some of you in here, I want it to go from being, I go to church, to I follow Jesus. I follow the way of Jesus. What he does, I do. The things that he likes, I like. The things that he hates, I hate. How does that happen? I get into the word and I begin to know it. My desire for you 
is that you find real life today. You find real life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you have it abundantly. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And for some of you today, you feel like your life is being destroyed. You have no joy. Your joy's been stolen. My question today is this, is are you walking in the abundant life of Jesus Christ? That doesn't mean that, man, everything's rainbows and Kool-Aid. And I'm, I'm talking about I've got joy because I know that he loves me. He's changed my life. Today, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I want to help you with that. John chapter 11, one last verse I want you to see. John chapter 11 says this. John 11, 25 through 26, Jesus has gone in and he's met with uh, the sister of a friend who had passed away. This, his friend who had passed away is named Lazarus. And he's speaking uh, to his sister Mary. He's trying to comfort her. And Jesus said to her in verse 25, John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And notice this. I want you to underline this. I want you to underline it, highlight it, do something. And he looked at her and he said, do you believe this? I don't care where you are right now. I want you to look at me. Everybody look up. Look at me. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Jesus said this, is that if you've never experienced life, believe in me. Receive me. Submit your life today. Jesus, I trust you. Here's what I'm going to ask you. If you're here in this building today, before you walk out, I'm going to be, I'm not going to be out that way. I, I, you know where I'm going to be today? Kurt and I are going to be out in the courtyard. Okay? We're going to be out in the courtyard. You can walk around the building. We need a little exercise. Those of them come out of the family room, I'll be out there. I want to talk to you because I, I don't want you to walk away and not find life. If you are watching online right now, maybe you go, or maybe even in this room, you're going, I don't know if I really want to talk to anybody up close and personal right now. Okay, I get it. Would you please text the, num text the number on the screen? You're seeing it online. It's here. If you'll text that number, text Jesus, it's going to begin a conversation, and someone today is going to contact you today. Probably by the time you get home, there's going to be something. Uh, we want you to know life real life in Jesus Christ. For those of us in here who have uh, trusted him already, uh, online, uh, you are in the family room or you're in this auditorium room. You know what, for us, those of who, who have surrendered our life to him, we know that. You know what, for, for us this is? It's a, truly about living sent. Jesus, listen, catch this, please. I know I'm over. I, I realize this. Please catch this. As followers of Christ, too, for way too long, we have been trying to flatten the curve and we've been living socially distanced with the gospel for way too long. And it is, listen, the gospel is not just for missionaries to go to Bangkok, Brazil, and Brussels. 
It's from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, folks. We have got to get up close with some people and share the gospel. Today, I want to invite you. This is really simple. This is so simple. Share today's message when it comes up on your Facebook. Not because it's the gospel today. Invite someone to listen. Send it through Messenger. Invite whatever it takes so you have an opportunity to talk to somebody about Jesus today. Some of you, you just need to start talking about him in your home, your kids, your mom, your dad, your cousins. Listen, you need to tell your mom and them all about Jesus. They need to know. And it's time for us find life, and then today begin to live sin. Father, we love you and I honor you. I thank you for the privilege you've given us. And Father, I pray that today uh, your spirit would be alive, that your spirit would be moving, that your spirit would be drawing people. Give people today the, the courage to surrender their life to you. Holy Spirit, I pray you would open their eyes and that today they would confess Jesus as Savior. Once in the name of Jesus, I ask these things. Amen. If you're in the family room or you're in this room, you got a little cup with a wafer and juice. Now I'm going to ask you to be really careful. We're going to take this. Don't open it yet, all right? On the night that Jesus was to betray, be betrayed, on the night he was to be betrayed, the scripture says that he was celebrating the Passover and that he took bread and he took wine and he redefined that for so many, for those disciples. And that today we celebrate the new covenant found in his blood. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11, he writes in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, and he's telling the Corinthians, because he's really kind of getting on them, to be honest with you. He said, you've made a mockery of the Lord's table, of communion. And he says, listen, uh, the Lord gave, the, Jesus gave this to me personally. And what he has said is this, is that if you are a follower, because in those days, the only people that gathered together were followers of Jesus for the, for the feast, for their meals. So in this room right now, and in the family room, there may be people in there, in, in either of these spots, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior today, and you got one of these as we came in, because what we didn't do is walk around and go, hey, you follow Jesus, you follow Jesus, you follow Jesus. We gave one to everyone. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, here's what we would ask of you. You just hold on to this, you just hold on to it. And as you leave, you can either set it back on the chair, or you can give it to uh, someone as you're walking out, and they will set it aside. Because you see, ultimately, what this is, is this is a memorial meal that we're about to take. We are remembering our Savior. And so if you've never surrendered your life to him, you're not memorializing him. In fact, Jesus, Paul said to the Corinthians, he said, some of you are having trouble right now because you're not eating and drinking in a worthy manner. He said, listen, on the night that Jesus was to be betrayed, said that he took the bread and that he broke it. Now, I'm going to ask you, if you will, very carefully, pull that top piece off, and there's a little wafer. So that he took that wafer, he took bread, okay, broke that bread. 
we have a way for this is just a symbolism of his body. It says this was his body broken, crucified for you. Before we take this, I'm going to ask right now, I'm going to thank the Lord and then we're going to take and eat together. Father, we thank you. We honor you. Jesus, we thank you for being crucified. We thank you that you laid your life down. We thank you that you sacrificed. You stood in our place so that we might have eternal life if we would surrender our lives to you. And today, we celebrate this meal. We celebrate your body broken. It's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Take and eat. It says, in the same way, he took the cup and he poured it and he, or he drank it. And he said, all of you who are a part of me, you take this, you open this up, please, if you will. He said, in the same way, he took the cup and he said, uh, he redefined that cup and he said that this was his blood spilled. Father, we honor you today, and Jesus, we thank you that your blood, you sacrificed your blood, you laid your life down. Scripture tells us that life is in the blood, and that there can be no forgiveness of sin without the, without the shedding of blood. And so today, we claim, and we thank you, that we celebrate your death and the blood of Jesus that covers all of our unrighteousness. We thank you that it's now a new covenant for us. For it's in the name of Jesus we ask these things. Amen. Would you take and drink now? On your way out, you can take this and drop it in the uh, trash can on the way out. If you didn't take it, you didn't take it, you can leave it on the seat. Somebody will come by and get it later. We're going to set it aside. It won't be used in the next service. Right now, we're going to sing together in both rooms. We're going to be singing a song, just a song of response. And then following that, I'm going to be out in the courtyard and would love to talk to anyone who wants to surrender their life to Jesus Christ. Or just if you want to come by and do an air high five, I want to see you. Father, I love you and I thank you. I magnify you. I thank you that today your gospel's gone forth and I ask that you would change hearts. You would save people. Thank you that today we were able to celebrate communion. And now, Father, I pray that you would send us out of this building, that we would go and live sent for your name. And it's in the name of Jesus we ask these things. Amen. Zion.